And he's inviting you in to continue his story. Say that with me. 2010, he's inviting me in. He's inviting you into the inner chamber. He's inviting you into greater things. Now, I, I pressed the button too soon, but that's all right. Just look at me just a moment before we get to what the Lord spoke to my heart. I believe that we have to learn as we get into this story, we have to learn to seize things. And I want to encourage you, even though you may have missed opportunities in 09, I want to believe with you and I want to encourage you to seize them in 2010. I want to encourage you in 2010 that this is going to be the year to seize things. And even though there may be things you regret that you didn't take hold of, you didn't get, you didn't see, you missed out on the opportunity, maybe you're living with regret that you missed out on some opportunities. I want you to believe, God, that you're going to seize them and you're going to get them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen to this. Just because you missed that season doesn't mean that you have to continue to miss other seasons. Amen. So I just want you to hold on to that. And take on to the new seasons. Now here, in uh, Mark 10, 46, it says, Now they came to Jericho as he went out to Jericho with the disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And that caught my attention. Here was somebody's son. And I'm believing, as I, I, as I share this with you, I'm believing as I speak about the prophetic word for this year, I believe God is going to be opening up not only your children and grandchildren's eyes, but he's going to be opening up other eyes to take note of them, to minister and to bless them. You get ready that not only are you going to seize new opportunities, but there's people who's going to be at the right place at the right time for your loved ones, your husband, your child, your, whoever they may be. There's going to be divine opportunities where God is going to have them in a sit-up to where somebody's going to reach out to them and tell them something that's going to prick their heart, go down into the innermost part of their spirit, wake up that, that, that callousness and that sleepless in their heart. And I believe that many of you are going to see your family get on fire and come back to God this year of 2010. Because listen, not every story, this caught me, not every story tells you the name of the person. And there's not very many stories that tells you the name of the dad. But the Holy Spirit inspired this on a purpose. Because I believe that this dad must have been praying for his son. His son that was sitting on the side of the road every day begging for a living. Even with a mantle given out uh, from the government to show, show everybody he's legally blind. Give him alms. The only way he's going to eat is if you give it to him. And I believe this daddy must have been praying for his son. Because the Lord saw fit to put his name in the New Testament. There's a lot of names that didn't make it but his did. Well I want you to know that I believe that God has been hearing you crying out for your child and your grandchildren. And I believe it's dear to his heart as it is dear to yours. And I believe that he's going to do a divine setup and that he, your child is going to hear from God this year. Can I hear somebody this morning? Amen. Amen. He sat at the road begging and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, I bet it was his daddy who told him about Jesus. He had heard about Jesus of Nazareth and when he heard that it was Jesus, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Then many warned him. Many hollered back at him. Quiet. Be quiet, O blind man. Be quiet. But it says, he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. They were telling him, be quiet. He says, you're not going to shout me out of seizing my opportunity. He's here. It's the time. It's the place. And it's my desire. 
And you're not going to shout me or tell me to quiet down. You're not going to get upset with me because I'm too passionate. Because I've been waiting for this opportunity a long time. And he entered into the town and it, said, it didn't say if anything was done. He exited the town. A lot of people was following him. But there wasn't a lot of people being touched. But I want to grab and seize this opportunity. And you go ahead and shout me down. Say, I'm too fanatic. I'm too patriotic. I'm too this. I'm too that. A lot of people may be telling you a lot of things about your life. But what they tell you about your life is not the life that God has written out for you. So you need to just go ahead and shout out even louder. Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy upon me. You got to shout out louder. And I want to tell you some other things. There's a dear sister in church. I don't want to embarrass her. She came here testimony. Been known it for a while, but she told me some things that has happened. And I know she wouldn't mind me telling her, but I won't mention her name. Her children have not talked to her since the 70s. And she has reached out to them, and they haven't had anything to do with her. But she told me she got dog determined. That she said, I'm going to be the best mother, and the best mother-in-law, and the best grandmother that they've ever had. And she sent a present. She started calling. She sent cards. She sent gifts. And all of a sudden, guess what? After since about 75, she got to talk to both of her sons this Christmas. Both of her sons this Christmas. But you see, sometimes you got to get determined. I'm going to be the best dad. Oh, you already ruined it. Oh, no, I'm going to be the best dad I can. I'm going to be the best mom that I can. I'm going to be the best husband. Don't even tell me that. Talk to the hand. I've heard that a number of times. You're going to be the best husband? You've already goofed it. No, I'm going to seize this opportunity, and I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better wife. Well, I can't trust you, but you're going to learn to trust me because I'm going to seize this opportunity. Won't you just be quiet because you know? Why don't you just be quiet because you know you're not going to be who you're supposed to be? Why don't you just be quiet because you failed me too many times in the past to think that something's going to change now. Why don't you just be quiet because you'll never be the mother-in-law, the father-in-law that I expected you to be. But just like the blind man who was still blind and in his blindness, he started shouting out and he started getting louder. And when they said, just be quiet, you'll never be able to change my mind, he kept shouting out because his mind was made up that he was going to see a change come to his life. And sometimes you just got to get louder than the thoughts and the people and the adversity and the devil himself when he He's telling you things are not going to change this year. Oh, yes, they're going to change this year. I am going to change this year. The circumstances is going to change this year. And if there's somebody who's bothered you at work, you just need to just need to get dog determined. You need to go, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to change the way I, I love you and the way I talk to you. Just because you don't tell me hello back, I'm going to keep telling you hello every day. You just got to get to the point where nobody can shout you out of your promise that you're going to overcome in these situations. Can I hear an Amen. It's your season. Say, it's my season. And nobody's going to talk me out of my dream. Amen? Nobody's going to talk me out of my dream. Listen, the four lepers, why sit we here till we die? You just don't sit down expecting to die, waiting to die. Get up and do something this year and serve your purpose. And there's something I want you to see in the next part of this, these scriptures. It says, now they came. It says, now they came to Jericho, and he went to Jericho, and they... Okay, what happened to the next one? Or is that it? Okay. 
Well, hallelujah. Might be the next, okay, might be the night, be the next one. But anyway, listen to this. Skip this one. Hopefully, no, we left it out. Okay, let me, let me just share this with you. It goes on to say, if you opened your Bibles like old school, I'm proud of you. He cried out the more, Jesus, have mercy on me. Verse 49 says, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Everybody say called. called. Then they called, say called again. Called. called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, arise. He is calling you. Now, there's not a mistake there that three times the word called is used. You might have felt like you've missed your calling. You've missed the opportunity. You've not done much for 09. But guess what? For 2010, he is calling you. He is calling you for a purpose and a plan. It is your season. He's calling you. And he's going to use you for his glory. Can I hear an amen? amen. Psalm 78, 4 through 7. Tell the next generation. Tell those of 2010. The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. His power and the wonders he has done. And uh, in that verse, it goes on to say, not all the verses here, it goes on to say that, uh, maybe it's on the next one. Yeah, so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, even the children yet to be born. I believe that if we start talking about the wonders of God, it's going to hurt abortion even more. You know, we've been praying against abortion. We've been pleading the blood of Jesus for our country because of abortion. But I believe that if we start convincing this generation about how good and awesome God is, they will realize that they'll go ahead and just keep that baby, have that baby, and God will make up what it doesn't seem like they're going to have in the natural. So it says, even the children yet to be born, and they, turn, and, and they in turn would tell their children, then they would put their trust in God. What is the slogan on our dollar bill? In God we trust. Well, we're fighting to keep that on our money. But while we're fighting legally to keep that on our money, we've got to be importing that into our children's heart and our children's children's heart that you've got to trust God. I mean, it's nothing if we just have it there as words. It's got to be in the heart of America. And that is what's going to change America. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, the Bible says that he was blind. And if you're taking notes, this is where I've been wanting to get to. It said he was blind. The word blind speaks of also being emotionally blind. The Bible said in Luke 24, 31, after the communion, it says that the eyes of the disciples were opened. And in verse 45, he says, he then opened their minds. Say that with me. Opened their minds. I believe there are some areas that we have been blinded to. Not only in the natural, but there's some areas in the spirit realm and also in our life that we have been blinded to. The Bible talks in 2 Kings that when Elisha and his servant was surrounded by the enemy, that his servant came to him and he was worried. He says, what are we going to do? And he prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he saw the angels of the Lord around him. And he says, there is more for us than is against us. Behold the armies of the Lord. I believe that God wants to open your eyes this year to things that you have not been seeing. Now, thank God for the Word of God. Thank God for church. Thank God for teaching. Thank God for preaching. But there's another level that I believe God wants to instill in our lives that He wants to open up our eyes to see. And I'm going to give you my main scripture in just a minute that God gave me for this year as it came here, and I never would have put it together. But I want you to hear this. He wants to open up our eyes, not only in the natural realm, but also emotionally, spiritually, and soulishly. I want to give you an example. 
uh, it'll be five years in October that my brother-in-law was murdered. I knew my brother-in-law since he was nine months old. Almost four and a half years ago, I was at a conference in, in um, Monroe, and my wife and called and said they had got news that my brother-in-law had been murdered. He'd been stabbed 44 times and just a horrible death. And many of y'all knew my brother-in-law. He was a, a precious guy. He never met a stranger. And like I said, I knew him since he was nine months old. My wife raised him, you know, being uh, she was the older sister and uh, with her mom. And it was, it was just a horrible situation. Well, just like this blind man got his wake-up call, I hear many people tell me, Pastor, it was a wake-up call. I wish I would have had a wake-up call. But when that happened, it devastated my wife. She started losing weight. One day I looked in her eyes and the life had come out of her eyes. Her personality had changed. Some of you have lost close loved ones and you know how it is. The grief and the sorrow. She wasn't acting the same. She wasn't the same. And in the past, I had been selfish in many areas since we've been married. Going to be 27 years this year. But in the past, there's been times I was selfish. And there was times I was not there when she was walking through our second son who was autistic and, and all the different things. And I should have been there more, but I was blinded to some truths. And when I saw what she was going through, I, I've been praying for her. But the Lord opened my eyes and I saw into her soul. And I saw the lifelessness in her eyes. And I saw the hurt in her heart. And the Lord says, you promised to present her to me, a glorious bride. You have to lead her back to my glory. And some of these things she don't even know. He says, you got to lead her back to my glory. You got to get back what she lost. It doesn't have to be necessarily a spiritual thing. The Lord started putting in my heart to do little things that shocked her. I started doing things, and it got to a point I was doing things, and I wasn't even noticing what I was doing, but she was noticing. And as that continued, after a while, I started hearing her laugh more, started seeing once in a while glimpses of the old Cindy back into her eyes and just different things going on. And as I continued to change, I changed first. Because as her husband, it was my job to bring her back into the glory. I mean, the Lord had to do the work, but I had to do my part to present her to Jesus, the daughter he gave her to me as. And so the Lord stopped opening my eyes to things I had to do, things I had to say, things I had to uh, do differently. And as my eyes was open and I started doing things differently, things started changing. And if you, go, if you look at her, I mean, she'll never forget. She'll never be over all the pain. But her laugh is back, her life is back, her joy is back. But not only that, uh, I didn't mention this to her because I knew what I, the Lord showed me a few weeks ago. But in church and at the grocery store, and I haven't told her this, a lot of people have been telling her how beautiful her hair is. And I didn't tell you this. But the hair is the glory on the woman. And as I would hear her say, somebody stopped me today and say, how do you keep your hair so pretty? People at church have been glorified, talking about her hair. And she's been telling me, telling me, and I never told this because I've been saving it, that God was telling me that he's restored you to your glory. He's restored you to your beauty. He's restored 
what you have lost inside, he restored it on the inside of you. And all this compliments on your hair is really compliments about the glory that has been restored upon you. And there are areas in our life and people that we're close to. God, why don't you change them? Many husbands. Why don't you change my wife? Many wives. Why don't you change my husband? Many parents. Why don't you change my children? This is what the Lord's asking you. Are you willing to restore and lead them back into their glory? Are you willing to lead them back to... Are you willing to have your eyes opened to get into the areas where you know that they need ministering to? Are you willing to take the time and humble yourself and do things that your daddy, your grandpas, and others didn't do? Are you willing to do that? And as I started doing things, she, am I telling the truth or what? She's been blown away for a few years now because God told me, you've got to restore her back. There are people around us they're going through things that we're not even, we're not even uh, aware of. I told you last week, I don't know, how, how many of you got on the website since last Sunday and started going through the prayer request? Anybody? Okay. Not even 12 people. Well, we got new ones, and I cut some out for you. A little girl, was, there's one in here, a little girl was found on the side of the road. Went horseback riding. Don't know what happened. She fell off the horse. Somebody found her unconscious and they airlifted her to New Orleans. Her family needs to be contacted. We have a lady in the church. Her dad just died yesterday. She'd been taking care of him. There's people here that's been brought in the hospital, people going through things, people who have lost loved ones, people who are fighting, a number of people who are fighting cancer. I cut some extras out hoping that maybe somebody here will say, you know what, I'm going to take that home and I'm going to pray for those people every day. And I'm not only going to pray for them, I'm going to email them. I'm going to call them. I'm going to go see them in the hospital. There's some people here in the hospital. I'm going to put these right here. These are just, the, this is just a week's worth of prayer requests that came over the website. He's calling you. But I can't do anything. You can do what the blind man did. He got up. He took his excuse of a life off. And he came to Jesus. And Jesus healed him. There are people there. That you can minister to. There are people there you can call. We got people coming to this church. And everybody's saying. There's so many people. I don't know their name. Well how about try to get to know their name. There are new people. Recognize somebody who hasn't been here. And call that person. Get to know our precious sisters here. On the, on the uh, third row. That we were able to send a turkey to. Was that turkey good last week? We were able to send that turkey to. There are so many people here today. That, that, and, and, and people who are not here. That I can't call everybody. We, we, we try calling people. We can't call everybody. Can't go see everybody in the hospital. It, it's gotten too much. But we as a body, members of one another, if we can connect, and, we, and you say, what can I say? I told you last week, there's an anointing waiting for you over the hospital bed. All you've got to do is get to the hospital bed to pray for that person who's in that bed. There's an anointing on the phone. When you say, I don't know what I'm going to say, pick up that phone and dial the number, and there'll be an anointing come upon you to speak into their life. There's a call, but I believe that God is saying, I want to open the eyes to those around you because we're so busy looking at our own lives and our own needs that we've come, become blinded and desensitized to the needs of those around you. Some of you have been coming here for a while. You've recognized, and, and I'm just sharing with you something right now. You've recognized my way of preaching has changed. Many of you recognize the, the messages have changed. 
This church has changed just in the last year. The church has changed a whole lot in the last two years. And you might have noticed there's been a lot of changes going on, but I'll tell you what has happened. God has put a burden on my heart for you people like I've never had a burden before. My heart used to burn for missions, but now my heart burns for you like never before. My wife and kids sometimes see me on the couch or in the car, and I'll just start weeping because I start feeling the pain. And what the burden has done to me, it has drove me to pray, it has drove me to fast, it has, chose me, it has driven me to study and seek the word, and I have felt your pain, and it has driven me before the heart of God to get a message from him to give to you of hope and of, of, of blessing and of healing. Because I have felt the burden, I have felt the pain because it has drove me to God. And I believe what has happened to me is the same thing that's going to happen to you. That I believe that there is going to be a burden that's going to wreck your life. And it's going to drive you in such a way to love and minister the love of Jesus Christ. Because when he saw this people. When he saw the multitudes, his heart would break with compassion. He says, behold, sheep without a shepherd. They're unprotected, they're huddered, hunted, and they're slaughtered because no one is out there trying to touch them, to cover them, and to bless them. I mean, the burden has been so heavy on me at times that I, was, I thought I was going crazy. So I got an idea. I thought, you know what? I'm getting ready to go crazy. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask the church this year, would you get your lives together? And, and will you just go ahead and get, get good and get healed so I don't feel a burden that's driving me out of my head? And so, so I don't end up, will you just stop being so delinquent and, and, and crazy so maybe I feel like I'm not going crazy? I thought maybe we help each other, okay? I won't feel you. <laughs> if you get okay, maybe I'll get okay because I feel like I'm losing it sometime. But sometimes the burden has gotten so heavy. But you know what? I'm not asking God to loose that burden. Because I feel his love and I feel an overwhelming compassion that comes up on the inside of me and overflows me for you. And I, and I just wish at times I could just grab you at that moment, call you, hug you, run to you. And, and, and what I can do is pray for you and seek God, Lord, what can I tell him on your behalf? Because if I'm out visiting, I'm not going to hear from God i got to get a word from God for his people, for the people on internet who are listening and getting saved and getting healed. And about you getting your life together, yeah, get your life together, but listen, I know it's not easy. I'm just joking with you. It's not going to happen overnight. Too many hurts and too many pains. But I do want you to know what word of grace has turned into is a healing place. And it's not a place of judging and it's not a place of being legalistic and one thing that Jesus did to heal the multitudes you know what Jesus would do to heal the multitudes he totally blow tradition out of the water you know what technology is about it's about reaching people you know what change is about it's about reaching the sheep that's lost and the one who's wandered away so they can come back home that's what God is doing in our lives that is what God is doing in our church. He looked for a man to stand in the gap. We're going to be that man. Amen. Now, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 32, 11 says, 
As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wing, taking them up and carrying them on their wings. I want you to see that word stir. I mean, listen, this is God ordained. The Lord led me to blind Bartimaeus, and then he said, this is the scripture for the year, Deuteronomy 32, 11. He says it's the word to stir. So I looked up the word stir in the lexicon. Listen what the word stir means. To open the eyes. If you look it up in the lexicon, it means to open the eyes. I said, God, that's what you've been stirring up in my heart. He says, I want to open my people's eyes to the ones around them to be able to love and minister to them on my behalf. And he says, there he uses that word flutter. It means to stir, stir. It means to move. It means to shake. The word stir means to wake up, to stop being blind emotionally to the needs of those in the grocery stores. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be uh, teaching on faith real soon. God's put a message on my heart. You, you know what the, where the faith message is going? To where... If we get a parking place next to Walmart, we've got the favor of God. And, every, and we get a place to park real close to Walmart. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the favor of God. And we start thanking God. We got the favor of God because we got a parking place right next to Walmart. You fat, lazy thing. You don't need a car. You don't need a park next to Walmart. You need to park way on the other end and let somebody who needs that, you need to let the favor of God be upon you to leave an open place for somebody who needs the favor of God on them to park there who have a pain in their back and a pain in their feet because you ain't got no pain. That's how selfish we've gotten with this message. Oh, look at there. God loves me. He gave me favor today. I'm parking right next to the door. No, you need to give that place up for somebody that God's going to send behind you who has a ache in their back, a twisted backbone, a bulging disc, or corns or acorns on their feet. <laughs> he says, I want to stir up this comfort zone that we've even named it a religious name to make it sound good. But we've got so intersighted that we're not anymore out there sighted for the people who are in the need. And he says, I'm going to open the eyes. The word stir. I'm going to open the eyes. Now, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to have to finish this real quickly. He's going to stir us up. I'm going to share some things about the burden of the Lord as I end today. And one of the things, how do I know I have the burden of the Lord? Well, let me give you one. What makes you mad? I'm going to tell you what some of you are going to turn into this year. Do y'all remember Popeye? And you remember that big old guy, Brutus, when he would get a hold of olive oil? I don't know what they saw in olive oil, but anyway. <laughs> I would have not fought anybody, especially a, big guy, a bigger guy than me, over olive oil. I said, Bruto, you could have her, boy. But remember how they would fight over olive oil? Oh, my God. Anyway. What would Popeye say when he finally had enough? I can't stands it anymore. I can't stands it anymore. And he would open up that can of spinach and take it and get ready, get big, get strong, and take, get rid of that big old guy to protect his olive oil. Well, I believe that the burden of the Lord, Moses came out one day taking a walk and he saw an Egyptian hurting two other fellow members, Hebrews. And he got angry and he had a Popeye moment and he says, I can't stand it anymore. 
Well, I believe that there is going to be, I can't stand it anymore, rise up in you with the burden of the Lord this year. When you hear of a child who's been raped with a spoon, a two-year-old girl who's been raped with a spoon. When you hear about these grandmothers and grandfathers who are raising their grandchildren and the sex offenders and all these different things, there has to rise up an anger on the side of you that somehow we've got to do something to see these children protected. We've got to give a place where somebody can feel comforted to run in here and say, listen, that, that man I'm living with is doing some awful things to my little girl and I need some help and we'll put some help on it. We'll have a Popeye moment because we've already done it. We, we've done it last week and we'll continue to do it. We need some help. What makes you angry? I know you think it is a sin to get angry. Not what makes God angry. What makes God angry can make us angry. Righteous indignation. They're lying and they're trying to destroy our country. That's a reason to pray. That's a reason to fast. And that's a reason to protest. There are things going on at school that I'm not in agreement with. Well, then you stand up against it and write a letter to the teacher like we've done before and say, my kids are not participating in that. I don't believe in celebrating the dead and witches. There are things, when you carry a burden, there are things that make you mad. When Nehemiah saw what the people were going through, it made him mad. At first he wept and then he made him mad. Let me share another thing with you. What breaks your heart? What moves you? The nations, the Native Americans, the hurting, the poor, the hungry. What moves your heart? If that's you, then you need to write down what moves your heart and start doing something about it. Somebody poor with no clothes will look for a pair of shoes or clothes to give them. And it's amazing how God will give back to you. Somebody who has a need. Somebody you know who's going through something. Somebody broken down on the side of the road. What breaks your heart? Single mothers. Mm. One of the things that breaks my heart that y'all know is the elderly. Not only do we want to build an orphanage, we want to build a housing for the elderly. I want to, if we have to, buy that hotel, buy something. But I don't want to see my brothers and sisters up in their 60s and 70s having to still work to pay their rent. What moves you? Write it down because that's part of God's heart that he's given, sharing with you. The things I feel over you as a pastor, it's because God gave me part of his heart for you. When I was 12 years old, we were living in Lafayette. I was 12 years old in sixth grade and we had a prophet come through the church we were attending. His name was Stanley Rankin. He was known as the dancing prophet. Out of a huge crowd, he called me out. He says, that little boy in the yellow shirt, would you stand up? And I stood up and he says, the Lord showed me you have a shepherd's heart. And the Lord showed me that you're a protector. And God is going to raise you up as a protector of his people because you have a heart to see them protected from evil and from harm and from wrong. That you have a zeal to protect my people. And I was 12 years old and I'll be 47 this year. And I still have a heart, and it's been that way, and that is what's driven me to study and, and do everything that we can and even want to do more. And God opened our eyes to do even more. But it's not only me, it's you who are called to be protectors because this church is called to be a protection for hurting and needy people. What moves you? 
I won't go through all the scriptures because of time, but you can look up Nehemiah 1, 3 through 4. We won't go through it, but it says, you can read it while I'm talking. But it says that he wept, in fact, for many days. Listen, when you have a burden, you're just not going to cry right here at church and it's over. You're just not going to cry for five minutes. If you find yourself weeping over something on a regular basis, that's part of God's heart he's given you. Don't pray it off. Don't ignore it away. Don't reject it. If you find yourself weeping over a certain people group, a certain need, a certain area of the city, if there's some area, a, a certain desire to break cell phones, if, if God is moving something over on you, <laughs> I mean, we have a sign, turn them off. We're on the internet. But uh, that's the fourth, that's enough. Anyway, if, if, if you have a desire for a certain people's group or somebody at your job, bring them some cookies, bring them a cake, do something, but what moves you? And it says he wept for many days. How many of you weep over poverty? I weep over poverty. How many of you were raised poor? You see somebody down the street. I've got a lot of good clothes, but boy, I get to give a lot of good clothes away, and I don't mind. I hate to see somebody hurting. I can't turn down the shoe shine guy when he comes by, and he's not all there, but he's a great fellow, and he comes by, and he says, can I just shine somebody's shoes? Man, we, we find everything we can. Yeah, shine my tennis shoes, because he's willing to work. Be a part of something. People who are sick have a pie-pie moment. For Samuel 17, 26, it, David says, who is that? Oh, I've been listening to the saints. Who is that uncircumcised Philistine that mocks God? Write this down. What's my cause? What makes me angry? What causes you to cry? And what's your cause? Your cause may be nobody else's cause. Listen, go, don't get discouraged. Doing what you're doing if nobody else gets excited about it with you. Nobody wanted to kill the giant before David. And when David said, I wanted to do it, they did the same thing to blind Bartimaeus. When your eyes get open, everybody's going to tell you, you can't do it, you're a kid. You can't do it, you're little. You can't do it, you're not a warrior. You can't do it, you're blind. You can't do it, you're not from the right family. You can't do it, you haven't been trained. Let me tell you one thing. David wasn't trained, but he was called and he had a cause. And when he said, I'm going to kill that giant, his brothers, his family, even the king says, you can't do it. But when you got a cause in your life, don't you let nobody talk you out of it. You hear me, church? You got a burden for a certain group of people. You got a burden for certain people. Well, I don't know how that's going to go along in my family. I don't know how they're going to accept me being around those type of people. I don't know what that's going to be like. I don't know what's going to happen. Listen, don't you let nobody talk you out of doing what God has put on your heart because they may not feel or see the cause you do, but you do it because God's put it on your heart to do it. So you're going to do it whether people praise you or not. Can I hear an amen? amen? Write down what burdens you, what part of your heart he has given you. The burden is a blessing of God to work on his behalf. And then it says in Isaiah, and I, I'm almost through here. Y'all just give me a few more minutes, huh? We got all year. I'm having to pass up a lot of good stuff here. Listen to this, Isaiah 6, 5. Woe to me, I cried. What did he say? I am ruined. 
Say that with me. I am ruined. A burden will mess you up. Why do you want to fool with those type of girls? Why do you want to work with those type of guys? Why do you want to continue even though nobody seems to accept it? Why every week, every week when you're tired, you want to work with those young boys and Royal Rangers, those girls in Christ for church, with those youth? Why do you want to continue trying? It's because I got a burden of the Lord and I'm ruined and I'm so messed up. I mean, I went on that mission trip and I saw the needs of the people and now I'm so messed up, I'll never forget their faces. Every time I get to my plate to, to eat, I see their faces and I start praying, God, help the hungry little children around this world today god help those that don't have and those who are hurting oh my god and every time you you talk to somebody and they're going through a divorce and somebody's just really put giving them the shaft and they're losing everything that they and they're up in age and they're having to start all over again and it's like my god my god help those people help that lord just give that woman that peace right now here i want to help you here's some money here's some other things what do you need help for i, I help you get this i help you get that but every time you hear somebody going through something and it breaks your heart and it moves you man i I am ruined for life. I'm not just going to cry five minutes over. I'm crying the rest of my life over it. May keep you up to two o'clock in the morning praying. I'll never be the same. Let the burden move you to action. As it says here in Isaiah 6, 8, last scripture. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who can I share my heart with? And who will go for us? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I said, say with me. Here am I, send me. How many of your old, you, you older sisters, you're not old, but you're just wise. How many young ladies can you take under your arm and call and say, I got a scripture for you. Can I pray with you? How are you doing with these younger new gir girls that are coming in church? How many of you guys, older men, you're retired or you've got a little bit more time on your hand? How many other guys can you call that you see in church and say, can I have your number? Would you mind if I call you and encourage? How many widows do we have in the church? We have a few widows. How many families would take the number of these widows and say, can I call you from time to time, especially during the holidays, and just see how you do and encourage you? Just want you to know we're your family and we love you. Go by and visit them. Go by and see them. I want to encourage you, church. I pray this year that we are going to be stirred, or in other words, our spiritual eyes are going to be open to the needs of other people, to where we're going to see these children walking around, and, and, and I, I can't get over this young girl that doesn't have her daddy living with her. She ran up to me the other day, just jumped in my arms and just held me and held me so tight and just held me and held me and held me, and I asked if I could take her home, and she said, yes, she'd come home with me. And I think about how many of these children in church just need a hug like that, these babies? We, we, we complain, listen, this is the problem. We complain about working in the nursery, but you don't know what importation you can do while you're working in there. You don't know the babies who don't have a mom or dad who lives with them and just needs a hug. And the reason they're bad is because they're broken and they're so hurt. The reason these teenagers come in and they got earrings and tattoos everywhere and they look like a pincushion. They're so precious to God. They're as precious to God as a clean-skinned person. With no earrings. They're pierced because they're pierced through because they're hurt. I, I, I don't want just to be another church. I want us to be the real thing. 
And we are. I can't get over how many people, even for the Christmas, came up to me and they said, Pastor, your people are so friendly. <laughs> and that is their greatest thing that we could hear. Your, your people are so loving, so friendly. They, they just talk. And uh, it, it was surprising, even people, you wouldn't even know all the story about how impressed they are about the love of the church. And, and I praise God for where we are. But you know what? I'm not satisfied with me, and I don't want you to be satisfied with you. I want us to go another level. You feel, invite some people into your home. Go to somebody's house. Go to the hospital. Look up these needs on the internet. How many Saints fans do we have here? Okay, not very many now. There was a lot more four weeks ago. I got your number. I got your number. Okay, I got your number. Well, do you know that if you go on their website, do you know they have prayer requests? They didn't say prayer requests, but they got all the wounded uh, players who's not playing today. There's a bunch of them. You know what? I took time because I said, these are somebody's sons. They got a whole lot of money. Maybe one day I'll get some. I don't know. But, but these are somebody's sons, and they got some big-time things wrong with them. And as I read over their names, I just prayed over them because we need to win. <laughs> well, you know what? I say all that because the truth is behind all that, I pray that over you because we need to win. We, we need to win. We need to win. We need to win over the power of the enemy as Jesus gave us the keys to do. We need to win over all the statistics and all the studies of the books and philosophers and everything else. We need to win. We need to win over all the addiction and all the uh, uh, accumulation of things over the life that has been trying to destroy lives and marriages, homes and children. We need to win over what everybody says a church is supposed to be like and be like Jesus Christ himself and have the love of God divinely flowing within our hearts and veins to better reach out to people in need. We need to win. You need to win. You need to win over the things that's been bothering you. And I know you're trying to, but praise God, in the name of Jesus, you're going to. And we're going to continue to teach you the word and continue to feed you the word and continue to pray and fast. And we're not just saying it. We do it because we believe that there is a breakthrough. There is a supernatural breakthrough. We know that God... God loves each and every one of you. We know that there is such a divine love for you, that he is conscious of you, that he has fallen in love with you. He has fallen with you. He is captured by you as he is capturing your heart. And tonight we have at least 12 people we're going to be baptizing tonight unto the Father as living offerings going back up to him. And I believe that that day is coming forth to where we're going to see hundreds at a time being baptized and ministries filling this church and ministries filling this city and outreaches all over this area reaching out in the love of Jesus Christ helping the people in their needs with a burden, with a care that we really do care Amen we really do care and I'll end with something I've shared with you a number of times but it's a Franciscan benediction and, and it just gets me and I got it on my desk may God bless us with discomfort at easy answers half truths and superficial relationships that we may live deep, live deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless us with enough 
foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world so that we can do what others claim cannot be done. Let's stand up on our feet and praise God for that. That we can do what others say cannot be done. Yes. That we can do what others say cannot be done. That this year, we can do what others say cannot be done. That this year, you can do what others say cannot be done. That this year, maybe the first year, you'll ever win somebody to Jesus Christ. You'll pray a simple prayer. And at your you leading someone to Christ will cause all the angels in heaven to go into a party and rejoice. And Jesus to call your name and receive a crown for that first one and then the others to follow of people you want to the Lord and then continue to call and continue to minister to. Call and invite people to church. Tell them, come, come dressed as you are. Come like you are. Don't worry about what you look like. Because we're a church is not about the, in, the outside appearance. Look, I wear hose in my jeans. It's not the outward appearance. We're breaking tradition because Jesus broke tradition all the time. He didn't go eat with the people who were sitting down with their right robes and hand-washing ceremony and everything else. He went and ate with the prostitutes and the drunkards. And he felt at home with them because they love, fell in love with him. We want people to fall in love with Jesus. And would you just bow your head and close your eyes? We want people, we want you to fall in love with Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know him, you might have gotten saved as a little kid in church and you might have been to church. You might know religion and you might know tradition, but you don't know Jesus. I want to invite you today you want to receive him into your heart as your Lord and Savior we had a lady receive him last week who had never did thank God she did and she's got it all over Facebook I'm brand new I'm born again if you're here today you don't know this Jesus you don't know if you're forgiven you don't know if you'd spend eternity in heaven if you died today if that's you I want to invite you to just raise your hands and get ready to get your life and your heart right with God get saved get born again and have new hope new peace, new joy. He'll lead you into that chamber of restoration. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Anyone at all? I want to give my life to Jesus today. Ushers, help me. Look, I have trouble seeing the hands. Help me. If you see anyone at all, raise your hand. Maybe you've known him, maybe you received him, but you've wandered away from him. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Anyone at all? I want to come back to the Father. I want to come back home. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. God bless you, boys. Anyone else today? I want to come home. I want to come back. I want to get my life right. This moment is so important. He's right here, right now for you. Right now for you. Right now, right now for you. He loves you. Is there anyone else today? 
God bless you. <laughs> God bless you, dear. This is your day. Anyone else? Anyone else? I want to come back to the Father. God bless you. He loves you. He loves you so much. God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Do you know he's walking through this prayer? I see you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Jesus is walking through this crowd right now. He's speaking into your heart. He's tugging on you. He's moving on you. Because he wants to have the relationship right with you. He wants to restore you and bless you. Is there anybody else today? Anybody else? Anybody else? Those who raise their hands, would you come and let me pray with you? Would you come right here with me? Would you come? Let me pray with you. Would you come? Would you come, dear? Come, my brother. Come. Come. you today I this is such a privileged moment I'd rather be here with y'all praying this prayer than with anybody in the world we're in the presence of God and he changes lives he rescues he doesn't reject us he loves and he cares he cares for what you care about he knows what kept you up at night last night He knows what makes you feel the saddest. He knows what drives you to do things you wish you could quit because there's such a pain inside. He loves you so much to save you and to rescue you and help you get out of the mess we get ourselves in sometimes. But today is the day of salvation. Today is the day he's going to restore. The Bible says that we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth. So I want to believe with you. Put your hand on your heart because that's where we want Jesus to come. And close your eyes. And I want you just to believe with your heart that God is going to hear you right now when you pray. And the God who created you, and the God who created all things, the God who loved you enough to send his son to die on the cross, he died for you. Now he wants to live in you. And he wants to change you. Pray this prayer out loud with me. Each one of you pray it out loud. Dear God, I come before you. Come on, pray. Pray with me. Dear God, I come to you. And I ask you, forgive me of all my sins. Known and unknown. Lord Jesus, I believe. You died on the cross in my place. You were punished for all my wrong. And you did it because you loved me. I believe you rose again. And today, I make you 
my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart as my risen Lord and save me and lead me for the rest of my life. I thank you, Father. I am cleansed and I am forgiven. In Jesus' name, I receive total forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, just take a deep breath. Ah, Let the old go. We just let the old go. Just let the old go. Just let the old go. Take another deep. Just let the old go. <laughs> let the new in. Amen. Hallelujah. What's your name? Miles. 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 My brother, Miles. God bless you, my little brother. Man, it's good to have you today. Brother, proud of you. Love you. What's your name? Luke. Luke. Well, that's a good name. Physician. God bless you. Good having you today. Welcome to the family. God bless you, dear. We love you. What's your name? Indiana. We love you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You and your family. You and your loved ones. In Jesus' name. What's your name? Morgan. God bless you, Morgan. You're my sister. Love you. We got the same daddy. Father God. The Lord bless you. Let's give them a hand and let's praise God for them. Amen. Hey! Let me say this. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. This is life. This is gold. These are the pearls without price. Listen, we love you. Tonight we're going to be having our baptism. And then Tuesday night, Wednesday night's the same. This last Wednesday, I know you didn't know we were having church, but we did. We wanted to surprise you, but you weren't surprised. So anyway, this Wednesday we'll be here. And then next Sunday morning we'll be back. The Louisiana Outpouring, that's a unified meeting we have at Zion Hill every year. It starts this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I want to encourage you about that. Uh, you can see the brochures on that. We love you and we bless you. And we just thank God for you. Believe you have a great new year. And brother, send us off in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this word today. We thank you for the souls, God, that have come back into your kingdom, Lord, or they've, they've just come for the first time. Lord, we welcome them in, and I thank you, God, for what you're doing here at Word of Grace, for what you're doing in our lives in this area. Lord, we're looking forward to this new year, and we give this year to you, Lord. We dedicate it to you for your glory. Use us in a mighty, powerful way. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.